Money talks, save your breath, save your peace of mind Deposit plus signs, they not unwind Words to the wise, don't gotta be suits and ties We're living in the time where every move is scrutinized At the elbow, I hit them with the bank shot I just wanna check my bank account and thank God Hey yo, I think we got the same thought We gon' get it all together for the raindrop yeah. Help me help you Sometimes you don't gotta go far to discover the truth Easy to get confused when all the faces are blue Pull up a chair, if it help I tell you what I would do Keep that thought process prudent And yo, staying in the moment while we living for the future Yeah, this is track meet for a frugal athlete Nothing more, nothing less, I need exactly Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. I'm your host, Amobi Kugo. In this episode, we got Hakeem Vals. Uh, Hakeem is a former NFL football player, someone who I've admired from afar. I uh, got to connect with him via LinkedIn. Um, he was able to make time for us to get on the podcast, and uh, he comes out with a lot of gems. So uh, just tune in, you know, listen to what he has to say um, about what it means to be smart with your money, um, things he's done throughout his career, um, and what he's doing in his post-career. Uh, I really think you guys will enjoy the interview. Um, before we tune in, make sure you share, leave a review, subscribe, do whatever you got to do to get the word out. A Frugal Athlete Podcast. We got a Frugal Athlete Podcast channel. Um, you know, we got bank shots, money talks, and now this episode. So tune in. How you doing, Akeem? Uh, thank you for taking the time to get on the podcast. We really appreciate you. Um, Amobi, tell us about yourself. Amobi, what's going on, brother? How you doing? No, good. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. So I feel like I know you, but I don't know you. Um, you know, the way you present yourself on LinkedIn, you know, I had to add you. I had to follow you. Uh, you're a true inspiration for athletes like myself um, with what you're doing. So can you talk about yourself for a little bit? Yeah, no problem. Um, like you said, my name is Hakeem Vallis. Um, I just retired from a three-year NFL career with the Cardinals, Lions, and Giants. Um, I am a real estate investor. I'm a professional speaker, and I'm a dad to an eight-month-old daughter. Um, Congratulations. I appreciate that, man. I grew up in uh, Winslow Township, New Jersey, a small town in South Jersey, about 15 minutes, 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, went to boarding school for high school. Um, always kind of been an entrepreneur, um, started out as an entrepreneur probably when I was in fifth grade. Um, when it comes to real estate, um, I went to college, my, my, my major was business with a concentration in real estate. And, um, I flipped houses while I was in college and playing football. Um, <clears throat> and then kind of, uh, with speaking, I, you know, got into speaking after, after 
the season ended this year, I kind of wanted to take speaking, uh, you know, take it more professionally and tell more of my story. Um, a lot of people really didn't, don't really know about me and what happened to me out in Haiti. I was uh, on a missionary trip and our compound was ambushed by uh, eight men with guns. And uh, it was, you know, very, very traumatic experience. And I, I've ultimately believe, I ultimately believe overcoming that experience is what got me to the NFL. Unbelievable. That is amazing. So I want, there's like a lot to unpack there. You went to boarding school. Uh, I have, uh, I went to boarding school. As oh, well. wow. What school did you go to? So I went to, uh, it's weird. So I was part of the U-17 national team program and we, it's called residency, but we're basically on IMG's campus. Okay, in Florida? So just like yourself, you know, it's basically you're locked in um, during the high school year. How, how do you feel like that helped you hone your skills both on and off um, the field? Um, going to boarding school, it was uh, yeah. one, just becoming independent, um, you know, moving out of your house at age 14. Um, but it really got to, it really, it really allowed you to surround yourself with one people who are kind of like-minded like yourself and two become actually really close with them because most people don't get that close. Like a lot of, you know, at least from my perspective, you know, I didn't necessarily go to, um, public school for high school. So I don't really know, but from my perspective, it seems like some of those friendships can tend to be pretty superficial. And things like that but with going to boarding school as you know you're you're living with your best friends so it's it's kind of different like your level of trust for your friends that you went to boarding school with are almost even different than most other people that you meet throughout your life um that's exactly yeah right. and then you know with sports it taught me to grind um like when i was in high school uh when i, I went to the petty school and there was the hun school was down the street and there was these two nfl guys who used to train people in the mornings um, at like five in the morning, and we used to set the alarms off in our dorms so we could go work out. We used to leave the dorms at like four forty-five to go over there and just get it in before class. Um, and like that was constant. I used to always get in trouble first. Like first, if I had an eight eight a.m. class, like I sometimes would be getting back from working out late, and I'd be like still in my sweatpants, stuff like that. We didn't have a dress code, but we had like a business casual dress code, but it, it really taught, it taught, I mean, going to boarding school taught me so many things about life. Um, even with like our family style dinner, um, you know, everybody has to have a work job. And at some point, most people wind up having to be a waiter, which I think is a great mm -hmm. experience that most people need to experience. Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was an amazing experience. That's amazing. Uh, just talking about the, the principles that you learn um, at such a young age, and I'm sure it's helped you um, to be successful now um, during your career and then now in your post-career um, adventures. And uh, I want to dive into how you were able to turn a traumatic experience, I'm sure. I had no idea about that um, and turned it into a positive um, outlet where you're not only sharing your story, but you're you're connecting with so many other people. So can you dive into, you know, what that was like and how, like, what was the spark that said, okay, and you know, this, this horrible thing happened to me where, you know, near death experience or traumatic experience, but I'm going to turn it into a positive. Um, it, it kind of, um, you know, to give you a little bit of context, you know, we were essentially, to make a long story short, our compound was ambushed, they shot through the front door, um, shot at us point blank. 
uh, hog tied is so tied hands tied behind your back, feet tied at your ankles, hands tied to your feet, and blindfolded, and kind of went room to room and stole everything. And um, you know, within that process, one lady got punched in the face. They attempted to rape another lady, and you know, I saw my life flash in front of my eyes. Like I just remember being grateful because my little brother had actually gotten drafted to the Oakland Raiders a few weeks prior. So he was out in Oakland and he wasn't out there with us. That's kind of one of my most vivid memories was just being happy that he wasn't there. Um, And I mean, after that, you know, the entire, this is about a 45 minute, 45 minute experience. Um, You know, somebody called the cops, cops hung up on us. They said they don't come to this area. Um, It was, it was an insane experience with overcoming it. And like, once it was all over, like that hug that I, cause I, I was there with my mom, my dad and my grandma, that hug that I shared with them. I mean, it's something I'll never forget. Like my entire, you know, that I'll never forget. Like I mean, feet covered in blood because the windows were broken and there's glass on the floor. Um, you know, shorts covered in urine, didn't even realize I urinated myself and just, you know, shirt all ripped up and just like, truly at that moment understanding like the value of life and like how precious it is and like how soon it could be just taken from you and you know when I got back I had some awful PTSD and um was I was messed up I mean you could just you could be one of my friends and like jump at me like just joking around it will put me in tears um just because that that PTSD was just terrible and so I, I went out I seeked help and I was seeing somebody for probably a little bit over a month and, you know, got better. And it, it really, the experience was for the better in a bittersweet sense, because mm-hmm. now it was, that was between my fourth year and my fifth year. And like at Monmouth, I was a bench player and I didn't get my first catch until my senior year, first touchdown, second game, my senior year, and like started after my senior year. And this experience happened between my senior year and my fifth year. And it was that, it was over the summer. And I started grad school and like summer sessions for workouts, like three days after that experience happened. But I was able to take my mind to a place of, okay, I'm doing these gassers, but this isn't as bad as being tied up and covered in your own piss. So just keep on going. And like, I've been able to use that my entire, I mean, my, I mean, I can, I use that every day. I could run a 5k tomorrow if I wanted to, because I can just put my mind in a place of, you're not, you know, you're not tied up in a third world country you're literally just running you know what i mean like and after that yeah everything was kind of autopilot and like that is kind of where i've kind of used it as like when i was in the league i didn't necessarily tell that story um because it was kind of my like chip in my back pocket because you're going against me you don't know me for the most part i'm just an undrafted guy but you don't know my story. You don't know who I am. And one of my biggest assets is I don't watch TV. So I don't know most players in terms of what the media talks about that person. So it was kind of like, I don't know you and you really don't know me. So I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of was my mentality while I was in the NFL. Um, and once I got done playing, I realized that this, my, my story, when I tell the entire story out in the details, and I want to, you know, take up, you know, 20, 25 minutes of your time, which is the story. Um, it I, I can really like when I'm talking to high schools and colleges, I can really get their attention and truly take them to a place of like understanding their lives and what are they grateful for and how to take advantage of opportunities. Because like after that happened, like I came back and I realized, you know, my little brother just went to the NFL. Like 
I can really do this too. And it was like time to really take advantage like of that opportunity. And like I did. No, it's amazing. You know, like you said, you went from like you didn't really play in college until this traumatic experience. You used it and shifted your whole mindset. I'm sure it was, as you, as you pointed out, just a game changing perspective on life. And what I really took away from what you said is that you weren't afraid to seek help. You know, you you had some issues. Um, I don't want to say issues in the sense of like something's wrong, but you had some issues that, that you weren't afraid to seek help. And I feel like a lot of professional athletes, although it's not the situation of a near death experience, they're afraid to seek help. So no, I, about that mindset. Yeah. Like, why? Why is that? Um, I think it's just kind of we're supposed to, you know, society we're looked at as these macho men and things like that. I'm trying to make mm-hmm. like therapy and going to see somebody like cool like it's looked at as like oh there's something wrong with you or like it's kind of weird things like that there's a stigma on mental health um but like no i think therapy is critical like i mean i saw a therapist when i was a rookie in the nfl just because like i needed to you just you sometimes like your mental health is the most critical thing out there just people are whether it's you know it's a it's a vulnerable type of feeling you know you feel like you ain't supposed to be this big strong tough guy and like we got emotions too. You know what I mean? That's true. And like you said, your emotions tie into how well you play. It's so true. It's critical. So let's shift gears a little bit. Um, obviously, you've been an entrepreneur since fifth grade, even earlier, I'd assume. Um, you obviously had ambitions to go to the NFL. You took the unique route, unorthodox route, but you said you were doing real estate in college? Yeah. So my, my major was business with a concentration in real estate. Um, and while I was in college, um, the girl I was dating at the time, her dad had started his own house flipping business. And he took me under his wing and we were flipping houses together up in North Jersey. And I was kind of, you know, doing everything, knocking down walls, putting down floors, using a sledgehammer, uh, putting, in off, like, putting in offers on pre-foreclosures, running numbers, um, writing out direct mails, delivering those mail pieces to different people we wanted to buy houses from, knocking on doors of people we wanted to buy houses from. Um, it was awesome. You know, I used to put my classes at night so I could go up and work up there from like 6 to 10, and then we'd have practice at noon. And it was just an amazing back-and-forth experience learning in the classroom, like how to be an employee at like a commercial real estate firm, but then actually in the field actually doing it. Um, might not necessarily have been commercial in what I'm doing now, but it was really cool to actually be in the mix and learn how to, you know, do it on your own. And that's amazing because, like, as athletes, obviously you did it when you weren't making money, um, but being fully immersed in it and mixed in it, how, how, how important is that? Because now, you know, professional athletes who obviously have capital, you know, how important is it to be fully immersed and just, okay, I have a bunch of money. Let me just throw some money into different deals. Um, I think it's important. Um, I think it's two-sided. I think some people just might not necessarily be interested and, but still know that it's something that they need. 
So okay. I think it's two-sided, but yeah, I think people should understand the numbers or at least understand the concepts and read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and things like that um, to start understanding you know, how your money works and things like that. But it, you know, most people, what you see is they just have a trusted confidant and then like that trusted confidant kind of handles everything. And it's kind of, there might be a disconnect in between there. And that's how you might see a lot of players either losing money or players suing and or firing that trusted confidant that they had handling their money and uh, siphoning out their deals. No, that makes perfect sense. And it leads me to my next question. Like, what are some lessons you learned while playing? Obviously, you had a good background beforehand, you know, very smart individual. You studied business during college. You, you were doing real estate in college. So what are some money man, money management lessons that you learned? Um, I think one of the biggest ones is one, was, one is definitely stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> in the NFL, there's six-figure playing with six-figure people, but you're also playing with nine-figure people, and that's just, there's levels to it, you know. <laughs> um, no. But with the NFL and the paycheck is the 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 pay system set up so we can I wouldn't say ultimately fail, but ultimately become a slave to the paycheck. So your mo your average job is you're getting paid 52 weeks out of the year. So you take a 22, 23-year-old who just got done with college, um, and now you give him, you know, minimum minimum salary for rookies. I think it was like 450000 maybe when I was a rookie. And mm-hmm. that's, you divide that by 17 instead of 52. So now you're giving a 23-year-old $26,000 a week. Like 26000 You're like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, Twenty exactly. You're gonna you're gonna spend ten thousand. Cool. Okay. Week two, you make twenty six, spend ten. Week three, you make twenty six, you spend ten. Week four, you make twenty six, spend ten. All the way through week seventeen, and then it's January first, and you don't make the playoffs. January first, you make zero, and you spend ten, because you have the spending habits of someone who makes twenty six thousand dollars a week. You know, January seventh, make zero, you spend ten. January fourteenth, make zero, spend ten. And don't forget, like, it's going to probably be more than 10 because now you're not at your your city that you just got drafted to or went undrafted to. And now you're back home with your friends. So now you got an extra flex. You know what I'm saying? You might be going back to your old college. And now you got to take everybody out. Now you got to spend and pay for all the drinks. Now you got to pay for dinner. You know what I'm saying? Now it's, oh, yeah. we're going to go to Miami. Who do you think is going to pay for it? Oh, we're going to go here. <laughs> who do you think is going to pay for it? And, like, it's it's real. But what happens is is now those people who aren't managing their money right, when you get back for OTAs and for minicamp, you're only making, like, 700 to to $1,000 a week, like a per diem check. And, like, as mm-hmm. you know, as you get older, that's that ain't nothing. And like when you you can tell when you get back the guys who are struggling in terms of money um because like OTAs and like that mini camp it's kind of more of a relaxed time it's more of a learning phase but then yeah. you see the tryhards who are going extra hard because if they don't make this team they're not going to be able to pay their mortgage payment if they don't make this team they can't pay their car note 
what I'm saying? They're, they're over leveraged yeah. and anticipated money that's not guaranteed. And you could, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. that's probably the biggest flaw. Like learning how to manage your money that you're getting paid, you know, $450,000, you're not getting paid. Now you're, you're really only getting paid, you know, 4000 5000 a week ish, maybe. If you're thinking about it on a 52 week schedule. And now you just got to think about it from that you know that perspective and from there i just took you know investments and invested you know the right you know percentage amount of my income what i had and you know put that into to real estate and getting me to places where i am now and you know still have those properties today no that's amazing like how you really broke it down um i don't think any other player has broken down um in all my conversations and it really just speaks to the testament especially as it pertains to nfl players um how you should ration out how you're getting paid obviously how you're getting paid from your employer um you can't control that but you it's can all allocate it exactly you can all you can allocate it like you did yourself and um it brings me to my point how i got connected with you is because i came across your video and you talked about what you did with your rookie check and I don't want to ruin it for the audience, but I want you to go through it and explain exactly what you did because it, you obviously invest in real estate, but there's so many different ways to invest um, and make money, whether it's in real estate as a particular sector, you know, businesses, stock market. Um, but you did a one specific way that really caught my attention. Yeah. So my rookie year, I was, I was living um, in an apartment. I was paying $2,000 a month for a month to month, one bedroom unfurnished in Tempe, Arizona. And I was like, I'm going to spend $24,000 on rent this year. And then I watched my little brother when he was on the Raiders, when he got cut from the Raiders and went to the Buffalo Bills, he was still locked in on a six month lease paying three grand a month, which is going to be $18,000 going to air. And (laughs) I, you know, found a, I went and bought a fourplex in North Phoenix. You know, my teammates were buying nice houses and really nice apartments in Scottsdale and Paradise Valley. Um, I bought a fourplex in North Phoenix and used my FHA loan, put down three and a half percent. So it cost 268,000. I put down 13,000 and never paid a dollar out of my pocket ever again. Um, you know, my tenants paid my, my mortgage um, and I, I cash flowed about $100 while I lived there and it set me up. So when I got cut from the team, so FHA loan says you need to live in that property for at least a year. Um, so, but it doesn't say you can't Airbnb your, your property out. So when I got cut from the Cardinals and went to the Lions, I took that unit that I was living in and then had my manager Airbnb it and it made about double than it would have made if I rented it and then went to the lions and did the same thing with the duplex. No, that's amazing. I think it's a speaks to the Testament of just being knowledgeable before you get into a venture. Obviously you did your research, you figured out how to be cost effective. And what I want to let the audience know before we move on is that before you do anything, take any advice from this conversation, make sure you seek out financial advisor, lawyer, whoever you need to, so you don't come back and try to sue us uh, if <laughs> things don't go your way. Appreciate uh, <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, this, is our, this is for informational purposes only. Uh, we, we, we thank Hakeem for being on the show, providing his insight. Um, so just making sure on that end. Um, but 
to my point of finding you on LinkedIn, how important is it for athletes to use social media platforms? I think it's very important. Um, I was a lot more reserved when I was in the NFL. And I kind of wish I was a, a lot. I think I kind of wish I was more open. Um, but I think it's very, very important because you can really, really brand yourself, um, especially while you're playing. You know, because, you know, most athletes, most professional athletes, most most people in general, like, won't even answer comments at the bottom of an Instagram picture because they're too cool. Like, you know I mean? You want to impact the world. You want to be big. You want to do big things. And you're not even worrying about, you don't even care about your 10 fans that you have right now. Like, how do you expect to, you know what I mean? How do you expect to do even bigger yeah. things? Um, but I think it's a good thing because athletes it's social media levels the playing field and allows us athletes to get access into our world. And that's ultimately a fan's dream. And once you can do that, you can kind of, you know, I, I loved when I was in the, like, I love like using my platform to play an awesome game of golf with some executives from a company is awesome to me. And I think people should, uh, athletes can take advantage a lot more of it if, they were more open on social media and out on all platforms, just leveraging their brand. You know, college athletes, you can't get paid, but it doesn't mean you can't, you know, go start leveraging your brand, start actually interacting with your fans, start leveraging yourself. So when you are done playing, now you have a brand to fall back on. Like you might not be, you know, John Jones from Alabama the football player but now you're john jones the brand and now you've left alabama and now that same you know likeliness still follows you i mean alabama is a bad example because that likeliness will always follow you because of their <laughs> fan base. No, that's a great example um but it's just like it's 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 a time to, that you can really really like whatever you're passionate about like don't be scared and like let people know trumpet because then who knows, you might be getting invited like backstage to go, I don't know, at some concert or do something with something, but really just leveraging your brand and leveraging yourself because like just most people just don't do it. Like you might as well just be different anyway. Yeah. And I think uh, something I came across what you said as well. It's like, okay, now you've, you've showcased yourself. You've reached out. Um, something you, you said is the fortune is in the follow-up. And how have you used that approach to help you in your own transition um it's just honestly just following up and keeping trying to keep tedious records on every conversation you have and maybe taking taking notes at the end of every conversation um because they say you know your your net worth comes from your network um or your network will define your net worth and um by building you know is really comes down to following up like we're presented with opportunities we're presented with people who are i think just because human nature people are good people and people who say hey you know give me a call sometime and we can do this or hey give me a call sometime and we can do that like 99 percent of people aren't following up on small things like that and i think that those type of small follow-ups can go a long way I think following up can be every time you get a comment on a picture is following up with every single comment. Like that's I'm a little backed up. So I had a couple of pieces of content go viral um, on following up, but like well, over the next week, I'll be following up with everyone. Um, mm -hmm. Like following up when you meet someone, you know, say even at a networking event, 
um, you know, following up with your teacher who says that, you know, they'll help you, you know, get this, you know, whatever approved or introduce you to this person or introduce you to that person, like actually following up. And like, when you do that, like that, those relationships become like closer, genuine relationships. And like, cause like people are like, you know, the ultimate, like that, that's, that's, that's the ultimate end game is just people. Like it's just good people and like connections. It's just going to get you to where you want to go. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, so let's, let's end it with um, talking about the end of your career. You know, a lot of people, a lot of athletes struggle with their transition. And I feel like your transition was seamless. Um, can you talk about how your mindset in terms of, you know, um, expanding, expanding your ventures off the field kind of either helped it, hurt it? Um, what was the mindset like when you eventually called it quits? Um, it just came down to uh, I couldn't be the, the, the real estate investor I wanted to be, the speaker I wanted to be, and the dad I wanted to be and playing the NFL. It just all didn't work out in terms of time, in terms of my passions and my why and like why I'm doing everything. Like football was not lining up with that. Um, you know, people expected me because, you know, you want to milk the orange while it's still right. But like it was, I'm not happy. At the end of the day, if you're not happy while you're doing it. And like football wasn't making me happy. It wasn't my greatest. It wasn't, I woke up every day and I was just like pissed off. And like, mm -hmm. I'd be having my, my notebook would say half of the page is Dallas Cowboys week eight. These are the notes on these players. These are the guys to watch out for. And the other half of the page is call this broker, call this investor. Do this and do that. And it's like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't want to be here. Like, I really would rather be doing real estate. Um, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's almost as if you didn't let football define you. Yeah, no, not at all. At, at all you know i i yeah i mean I, football is just a job to me you know i wish more athletes could get into that mindset obviously you know you you worked your whole life to get it to that point but eventually like you you know sports is a vehicle it doesn't it, there's no end of the road in terms of you can't play forever yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with those guys who are i wouldn't say stuck in high school and just like still just like you know football, football, football. There's nothing wrong with, like, loving football. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's just, like, not everybody has to love it the way you love it. And at the end of the day, like, I did work my tail off to make it here, and I sacrificed, but I knew why I made it here, and I, I, I did it for a reason, and I got what I needed, and I left. Oh, that's a great. Well, we want to thank you for taking the time to stop by. We usually end it with some quick hits, uh, just basically rapid fire. Um, so if you're cool with that, and then we'll let you go. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, cool. So most you've spent on yourself, and it doesn't have to be like the exact amount. It could be a ballpark or you don't even have to answer. Oh, the most I've spent on myself? That doesn't count as like a car, right? No, no. You could, It could be anything. Uh, I don't know. Let's say $1,000. I don't spend much on myself. Respect. Okay. Uh, first thing you bought when you went – to the big leagues uh, apple watch i couldn't wait it was like the, the first <laughs> one like i kid you not. Like, all i wanted was a freaking apple watch like, i i remember right in scottsdale yeah. quarter, i bought it <laughs> okay that's good that's a good one i'm sure you've upgraded it now <laughs> i'm not i mean i i my i've watched a lot of shinola 
And like uh-huh. that's probably as fancy as it'll get for me. Um, it's a really, really cool watch, like made in Detroit. Um, Barack Obama has one. Bill Clinton has one. It's a really, really cool watch, but it's not like it's not like a very fancy like luxury. Actually, it's technically luxury. I don't mean to go on like a tangent here, but no, you're good. You're good. The owner of Fossil, the owner of Fossil, there's two owners of Fossil, and one broke off and wanted to start his own luxury watch company. And okay. the other owner said, you don't know shit from Shinola when it comes to luxury watches. And he created the brand called Shinola Watches. And it's like a, a, oh. a main, it's like a really, really cool um, watch and a really, really cool store in Detroit. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm sure that's not on, that's not on the episode of like business, the podcast. Uh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, that would be good. Okay. Most frugal thing you've done most frugal thing i've done Mm. Mm. i mean i'm doing something like right now i'm selling 75 percent of my wardrobe um i don't have having a cable for the last three years respect Uh, yeah i don't have i don't have cable either uh, and you doing the minimalist approach for the selling the clothes yeah not like minimalist like i'm i i'm trying to like i'm like my fiance is not and like i super cool with me i'm just trying to lower my clutter yeah but like i'm really big on like when i travel like i travel a lot but i try and bring one backpack with me um i mean the way airlines charge for baggage yeah nowadays right (laughs) Um, okay. But yeah, I think that's probably. I think I know I did something like really cheap recently that I really can't can't think of what it was. Um, but yeah, no, I can't remember. But yeah, sorry. Okay, no, you good. That, that's that counts. Uh, best <laughs> financial book you would recommend or have you read? Best financial book, I'd say Rich Dad Poor Dad. Okay, respect. I feel like that's like. That's like the one book you got to read, especially if you're a real estate gentleman like yourself. Yeah, when people ask me when the you know when they want to start, when they start or how to get started, I say like before you even start, like with even any like tactical books on like okay, like you might be able to buy a property with in ninety to one hundred eighty days of reading this. Before you even read one of those type of books, you need to read Rich Dad Poor Dad to shift your mindset and understand yeah. money. Perfect. Okay. And then best investment you've made. It could be, it doesn't have to be like a money thing. It could be like, you know, changing to being a vegan. Or it could be anything. Mm. Best investment. I mean, best investment is, um, it's uh, got to be uh, my, my fourplex in Arizona. Okay. I put down so little and recouped the entire investment and the cash flow and sense, and it's, it's one of those properties that just keep milking it. Oh yeah, that's a that's an amazing story, especially with the influx of um, people moving to Scottsdale and that area in general. Absolutely. Oh okay, one thing you would tell yourself before you got drafted, or oh, sorry, you didn't get drafted, but get today <laughs> I got to the NFL. Yeah. Um. Ah. I probably would. I probably would have bought my property earlier, but <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been able to. So with most without any credit, so no, I wouldn't say that. I'd probably say 
start a podcast. Okay. Respect. And have one throughout the entire time I was in the NFL because it would be amazing to be still running it right now. That's true. I mean, what you're doing on LinkedIn and everything is is, is I'm about to drop. Now. I'm about to drop four podcasts actually. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to get a shout out at the end. Uh, <laughs> drink purchase you've yet to buy. You said drink purchase. Oh, sorry. Dream purchase you you've yet to buy. Like alcohol drink. No, no, sorry. Uh, your dream purchase you've yet to oh, buy. Oh, dream. I thought you said a drink purchase. <laughs> my, my apologies. I'm not really, I'm not really a drinker. Um, dream purchase that I have yet to buy. I'd probably say um, the Tesla Model X. I, I, they let me ride, drive one of those for like a week. And man, that car is, I'm not, I don't, I'm like, I mean, I guess I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a car guy. Like, you know, I have yeah. a Camaro, but I'm going to. I think I'm about to get rid of it and get like another beater truck, like I used to have from uh, college. Uh-huh. Um, but the Tesla Model X, man, is something serious. That's what, yeah. Uh, our last guest uh, said the same thing, and I, I'm on the boat of Tesla, Tesla team. This... So I'm, I'm going the model of, I'm not getting another serious car unless it's a, te- a Tesla. I respect that. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in financing cars. <laughs> What it means to be a frugal athlete. What does it mean to be a frugal athlete? means back to the, what I said before. It's, it's, it's staying in your lane and stay true to yourself. Like you really see, like you'll, you'll walk around your locker room on like a game day and no one has a pair of shoes on that are under a thousand dollars. And it's like, like, what are you guys doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I get it. Some guys do have, are in that level in that price bracket, but like it's, yeah. it's, being yourself like dressing how you used to dress when you were in college you know what i mean yeah. not mm-hmm. overnight it's like boom now i'm wearing the only thing i can wear is these type of clothes and like you know what i mean like it's yeah that's what it means to me perfect so thank you uh where can we find you you mentioned that you got some podcasts coming out obviously <laughs> you got the linkedin that you promote uh, where can we find you and how can we keep in touch? Oh, my LinkedIn is you know, my first and last name. And then my, my Instagram is Hawk, H-A-K. And then my last name, Vallis, V as in Victor, A-L-L-E-S. And then the number 80. Um, and then same thing with Twitter. Same thing, at Hawk Vallis 80. Um, and then, yeah, I'm dropping four podcasts. Um, I have the Not Just Jocks podcast coming out. Um, then I have... Uh, it's going to be called Perspective, where I'm interviewing people that are older, 60 and older, get their perspective okay. on different things and on life and things like that. Um, and then I have a, a real estate investing podcast coming out with my, my business partner. And then I have um, kind of like an audio experience of like, it's just going to be all my, my keynotes and all of my speeches, just the, uh, the audio ripped from me. Right. I think that's amazing. It's like you're, you're building like your own, your own Gimlet Media um, Exactly. Especially with the way voice is going. So we'll exactly. definitely have this in the show notes, all his information, um, his future podcast. Um, so thanks again, Hakeem, for joining us. And we really hope you have a great day. Appreciate you having me on the show, brother. No, thank you so much. All right. All right.